Welcome to the Art of Unraveling podcast. My name is Erin McGuire, and I'm an empowerment coach and guide here to empower you into feeling completely worthy of a business and life that you love. This podcast is the place to learn how to unravel anything keeping you from that abundant, beautiful life that you so deserve. Nothing is off limits here as we navigate life through psychology, science, and spirit. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of The Art of Unraveling. I am just super excited uh, over here. So excited that uh, I am getting to interview my dear friend, Julia Tyson, the one and only. I mean, I know there's another Julia Tyson even in her family, but the one and only, if you know Julia Tyson, you know she's the one and only Julia Tyson. And she is just a ray of sunshine. You're in for such a treat today with this interview. And uh, she's a mentor, a guide, a business owner of Body and Soul, which is a wellness center spa here in Dubuque, Iowa. She's just, yeah, words can't describe, but those of you that know her know that she's pretty dang special. And Julia and I have a little history together. I actually lived with Julia for a minute. Um, and Julia was the reason I moved back to Iowa, which is really funny. So she's kind of the reason for my life happening. You know, of course it was all divine. She was just like that little guide that was getting the messages that got me to come back here. But, uh, yeah, she, we, I remember sitting down with Julia. She didn't know me. I didn't really know her. She'd attended one of my workshops that she invited that I had reached out and said, I want to teach a workshop at Body and Soul because I was visiting family in Iowa when I was living in Los Angeles. And she, uh, I remember like, oh, you had asked me, hey, will you come come here and work? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm very content in my warm California. And then she's like, okay, well, come come be at our first Dubuque yoga festival, come teach. And I said, sure, that sounds great. So I flew back about six months later and it was just like synchronicity after synchronicity. And I just, you know, when just all those cards just start aligning and I just remember the last day, I think we sat down, Julia, and you're like, you've been hiding in Topanga Canyon. And I'm like, it just like, it was like a shot of lightning went through me. And I just was like, whoa. Um, I think I missed my flight because we were talking so much. In fact, I know I did. <laughs> I've never missed a flight in my life. Um, yeah, that's funny. So I forgot all about that part. Anyway. I didn't realize that you missed your flight, actually. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I had to spend the night in Des Moines. I don't really remember, but... <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, here I am. I moved, ended up moving to Dubuque and working at Body and Soul, and I still teach workshops there. And anyway, I could go on, but let Julia, I'd love to hear from you. Anything else that I missed of an introduction for you? No, I love that introduction. Thank you. It kind of <laughs> says it all in terms of our relationship. So thank you. It really does. It really yeah. does. And yeah, well, let's just dive in then. If we're done sure. introducing, let's dive in. That sounds uh, great. So what, it's the ultimate question, right? The art of unraveling. Julia, what do you feel like you're unraveling right now in your life or something that you've recently unraveled? Um, and kind of what was that like for you? What was coming up for you? Oh my gosh. I feel like I've been unraveling all my life. <laughs> That being said, all my adult life. Um, I don't think we ever stop, right? It's it's a right. process. Yeah, exactly. And I think that when you um, are, are doing the work, then you understand, oh, this is a gift, right? And so I guess really that, that did start when I got divorced in England. And then when I really got on the journey, when I met my husband, Scott, and moved to Dubuque, Iowa. Yeah. Or Dubuque, Idaho, as I told many of my friends, because I've never heard of Iowa. But that, anyway, that's another story. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard that story. You thought yeah. you were moving to Idaho. 
That's awesome. yeah, I didn't know where anywhere was anyway, so it didn't really make much difference. But um, the latest um, major unraveling, I guess, was the gift of a cancer diagnosis right at the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, you know, interestingly, I'd been on three pilgrimages before that, two to India, and then the one right before that diagnosis was to the Holy Land. And so when I got that diagnosis on Friday, March 20th, um, qu pretty quickly I understood that here was another pilgrimage. And so that's how I decided to um, walk that journey as a, a cancer pilgrimage. And I knew that there was a lot to learn um, in that process. And so got diagnosed on the Friday, pretty aggressive type of breast cancer. And um, so it meant undergoing five months of chemo, bilateral mastectomy, more with a natural reconstruction. And then they wanted me to have more chemo, which actually made me very sick. So I stopped that. I'm kind of still on that journey because I'm still, um, I'm now using the metabolic approach to cancer management to really address the underlying causes. Um, and if any of you are, are out there and interested, the metabolic approach to cancer by Dr. Nisha Winters is the, the journey that I'm now following with one of her practitioners. Um, and so, so much is being revealed and I and continues to be revealed. So there's this very dramatic first instance when you're diagnosed and this disbelief and all of that. But then there is like, okay, what is it? Clearly I need to change. And I kind of used to celebrate like being up in the middle of the night and having an inspiration to work. I used to celebrate like the amount of energy I had for work and I hadn't realized just how imbalanced I was. And so I just, it's been peeling away the layers of this rose petal and getting clearer. And now I've just got another silver platter, which is about um, my stress management. And interestingly, the very first time I went to India in 2000, I had a reading there and this, uh, read the energy reader said you're very calm on the outside very busy on the inside mm. and I'm like okay whatever tell me something really good right? <laughs> tell me something dramatic I don't need to know that <laughs> right now is coming back around and what I'm learning about myself is that I learned from a really young age to internalize stress and to appear on the outside as if everything's okay there was a lot of dynamics in my family that created that behavior pattern. And I I've, I've really dug into that, right? And so on the outside, I can look really calm and peaceful. But And I didn't even realize that this was going on on the inside, except for I was grinding my teeth at night and would wear a mouth guard. The mouth guard broke when I was just cleaning it one day. And then I thought, this is a signal like to really address this, the core issue rather than put a mouth guard in place to try and cover it up, right? Yeah. So I just love how the universe works. And I know you told, this is everything about you, Erin, <laughs> right? Like the universe is constantly giving us messages and our job is to pay attention to the messages that are for us. And then when you talked in the beginning about the, when I said to you, oh, you're hiding there, or you're, you're being hidden just by the nature of where you were living. Yeah. And you, in Dubuque, they, there's nowhere to hide, right? If you're gonna put right. yourself out there and you were very unique, what you were bringing to our community and you still are. It, then it's like, so there's the, the messages that the universe is bringing for us, but then there's also about being this really clear uh, faucet for the universe to run through us 
like me saying that it's not me it's the universe using me right yeah and it wasn't (laughs) yeah I wanted to say it wasn't it wasn't as nice as you just made it sound it was like no you're hiding there it was very direct (laughs) that's right that's very true (laughs) that wasn't me (laughs) that was the universe yes yes but you had allowed it you it had you had allowed it to open to come through yeah oh my gosh Julia you said so many things um Talk more because I think people are going to hear this and they're going to go gift of cancer. Right. What? And I know you kind of went into about it being a pilgrimage, but talk to us more about maybe the process of turning it into a gift. Cause I'm sure when you first received that message, it, like you said, it was a shock or that were those yeah. weren't your words, but talk yeah, to us more but- about it being a gift. Yeah. So how did I get from this is a complete shock and so upset like I'm a yoga teacher I'm a meditation teacher I'm a vegan all of those things right that that was my other question is like let's maybe answer that one first how did you receive that because I can imagine I remember reading a book about Louise Hay getting cancer and she's like the woman of mantra right so I'm thinking how does somebody who is so known in all of these practices as yourself you receive this diagnosis, how do you not turn that against yourself and like your spiritual practice? Yeah. And you know, so those great teachers that have come before us, right? Like I think about Wayne Dyer. Yeah. I remember when he was diagnosed with leukemia and I was like, how does Wayne Dyer get leukemia? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Not that I'm not putting myself on that same level, but it is interesting when somebody is doing and teaching practices, right? And so I was, it was shocking because I did not believe that that was going to happen to me. Right. And yet, so here's the other side of it. I mean, we're, Scott and I, and I know you are, Erin, we're so much about the words that we use and the power that they carry. And so often the three of us are having conversations and we're like, oh, cancel, cancel. Let me (laughs) rephrase that, right? And we get it, we get it for each other. Totally. Yeah, so I was, I was, did not tell anybody, nobody, not anybody in our family for a while because I knew that I would encounter their fear. And I did not actually share with anybody um, that it was an aggressive form of breast cancer because I did not want anybody's fear in my energy field while I was trying to manage that myself. That is so smart. And, uh, and it's interesting because there is this sense of, and especially in Western medicine, and I went through that, the whole Western medicine Um, treatment process I'm a nurse by background I was nursing in England looking after children with cancer and leukemia so I knew that journey and I knew that this needed to be addressed Um, the energy of the treatment had to meet the energy of this diagnosis and that's how I started with western medicine it does it still does not feel wrong to me even though I'm now going down a different approach But I knew that I had to take control of the language I was using. And I think one of the things that is challenging is people talk about the war on cancer. Hmm. And if you've, you know, looked at the work of Emoto and um, the power of words on water, that research study that he did. Yeah. I knew that the words that I was going to choose to use around this was really important. So I had to get to this place and I really, and I knew this is now when I'm going to do all of my practices. This is a concentrated practice period, which is what a pilgrimage is, right? Mm -hmm. And so I very quickly shifted into, oh my gosh, I have to love these cancer cells and surround them with love and um, visualize that. I know for other people it works to visualize the cancer cells being destroyed. 
or eaten up. For me, this was just my frame of reference from everything that I had studied and knew about. And so that's when I started to make that shift. And me calling it the gift of cancer, it didn't happen within the first month. It's come slowly and I can see it even more so. Done a lot of work during this three year period to release fear, so much fear, decades of fear and lifetimes of fear. I've done specific uh, practices to release that um, because that was a big issue for me. And I hadn't realized how much fear I was carrying around in my body. And so really during that three year period, I did not, I, I actually came off of social media. I found that social media was not life enriching for me during that time. I uh, started a Caring Bridge page to share with people that were interested and um, close family and friends and really uh, cocooned myself and protected myself during that journey. And I had amazing, an amazing support team. And a number of times, Erin, you came to my home and did Reiki healing or other healing modalities with me. I was in a very privileged position. I understand that. And I had, and that's why to your listeners, I would say, build your tribe because you never know what's, what's coming, right? And so having your tribe, and I know, Erin, that you have created an amazing tribe of the people that you've, that have worked under you with your trainings. You're part of my tribe for my healing. And so having a strong tribe around you is everything. Um, so, yeah, long answer. Sorry. <laughs> Not <It's> sorry. So <laughs> much. <laughs> no, sorry. No, it's so, so beautiful. Um, but can I add something, Erin? Sorry, because I, I read this. One of the books that I read while I was going through everything was the book by Anita Morjani, oh. Dying to Be Me. Love that book. Amazing, right? She had a near-death experience, <laughs> riddled with cancer, was in a coma, and they never thought that she would come out of it, had a near-death experience. And so she is, that's an amazing resource for people. Yes. But I just was on her um, Facebook page and she wrote this. I'm just going to pull out this one piece. Please oh, do. Being fearlessly yourself means loving yourself enough to live without your baggage, without the world, without seeing the world the way others do, or would have you see it. If this was the, the major piece, it means not needing approval to feel worthy, not needing an illness as an excuse to take care of yourself. Oh, Oof. and this is still, this is the unraveling still, right? I'm just going deeper. But when I read that, I knew it was a truth for me. I knew that in order to make the changes I needed to make, I called in uh, something pretty dramatic. I'm grateful that it was uh, cancer that could be treated and I could get on the other side of it rather than perhaps an autoimmune disorder that can take a long time to unravel and to get underneath. Um, but when I read that, I was like, okay, another, another layer, another petal to unravel here, to look at. I do not need to get ill in order to be, to get the care, the self-care that I need. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's one of those, I call them the knife through the heart. Like, oh, yeah, it just kind of makes you double over a little bit. Like, Ooh, yeah. I felt that. I felt that. I know, yeah, it's like, I know that to be true. Mm -hmm. And that, and we have to have the space, right? To recognize the truth when it comes in, to pay attention to it, to honor it, and then act on it. Right. With someone last night, they said, yeah, you've been given the playbook. Now you have to read it and act on it. I thought I loved that analogy. I love that. That was a financial person. It wasn't anything to do with this, but I thought you were genius. <laughs> Love that. Yes. 
Well, Julia, you and I have talked about this because I can resonate with that too. And, you know, we've, I know we've had conversations where it's like, I, you know, mine isn't cancer, but I had chronic fatigue for years and similar thing. It took chronic fatigue to get me to start taking care of myself because similar to you, I had that, you know, internal stress, but outside I was the strong one. And I could, I always joke that I'm the emotional support animal for everybody was. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I don't think, I I think that this stuff happens more for women. I'm sure it happens to men, but I think women, I hope every woman that is listening hears this message clearly that like, you can't be all the things. You can't do it all. You can't be it all. And if you don't learn how to freaking relax and just be once in a while, eventually it's going to, it's going to catch up with you in one way or the other. You're going to have to be taken out. Like I was taken out by chronic fatigue. You were taken out by cancer to learn the lesson, the ultra hard way. Yes. And I just want people to get this. I want people to really get this because it's so hard when your value and who you think you are is wrapped around what you do for other people or what you do for your business or how you're being in the world. I mean, if that's what your identity is wrapped around to start to learn how to relax and just be literally feels like death. And I'm sure you can relate to that. Yes. Amen, sister. I mean, seriously, Mm. that is the work of our lifetime in many respects and it's generational, right? So when you heal it for yourself, Mm -hmm. you heal it for seven generations, past seven generations, future. And what I would say, Erin, is that The the Art of Extreme Self-Care is a book by Cheryl Richardson. I really love it. But the one thing that I always remember from that is be willing to disappoint others. That's the one thing I remember from that book, too. (laughs) We both needed that, right? And And I think when you come out of the pilgrimage or whatever you want to call it, the journey of unraveling, then you come out, you have to come out differently and and not be concerned about how others are going to receive how you're doing things differently. And if when people surround you that love you enough, they hold space for all of it. So you know, little examples, Erin, when you and I are getting together and we have a plan in the diary and then maybe one of us has to cancel, we completely understand it. There's no question. There is no need to make an excuse. This is not a good day for me. Can we reschedule? Absolutely. And we get that for each other. And that's the sangha, the safe, sacred community that you have to surround yourself with And when you do that, you do it for everybody else because you're modeling for everybody, right? Here's how you do this. And everybody heals. Totally. Mm. Yeah, you are so, you're part of your soul mission, I think, is Sangha, as you know. Like you're so good at creating it and teaching us all how to, you know, be better at Sangha for each other. Um, so many good things here. I, you know, as I was taking notes as you were writing and one thing that popped into my mind, going back to cancer, now we're going to swing back. Sure. Yeah. Cause this is something I hear a lot. I've had, you know, I have friends that struggle with different, you know, illnesses too. Yeah. And there's this notion and, and we hear this in the cancer world all the time. I got to fight cancer, fight it. You got to fight it. I'm curious, I know you know Bruce Lipton and his, you know, understanding of cells, uh, cell biology and all of that, but I'm curious about how you feel about that we have to fight cancer or illness. Yeah, you know, going back to the power of our words, right? And I, you know, everybody navigates this in their unique way. Right. I'm not saying by me stating that it's not to shame somebody who wants to fight. Yeah. But keep going. Yeah. It's like the war on peace. 
or war for peace, right? It's right. such a contradiction, right? Yeah. Um, but interestingly, I was just at a workshop with Bruce Lipton back in February, and there were 300 of us at this workshop, and he's using examples, right? So he said, and I thought, is he, is he talking to me? He said, so it's your thoughts that created the cancer. Well, yeah, so that's a pretty dramatic and provocative statement. I was going to say, yes. So I know from the work with the metabolic approach, and Dr. Nation lays out 10 different terrains, but I also, which, you know, aren't like your thoughts, right? That was not part of those 10. So I know there are very clear physiological reasons for me getting cancer. Toxins is a big one. Um, The circadian rhythm was another one, like not getting to, not getting eight to 10 hours of sleep uninterrupted each night. You know, all there's a bunch of different things. But when he said that, I thought, oh, here's, this is interesting. Don't block it, Julia, because I think there's something in this for you. And what I did in that moment was jot down what were my thought-based patterns of behavior that I know contributed to this diagnosis. And then on this, so I wrote that down on the left side and on the right side, how have I dealt with this? And I could write mostly things down, but the one thing that I could not change, had not changed yet fully, in a fully integrated way, was my, now I've gone all, I've gone way off, Erin, in terms of your question about- Oh, you're fine. I'll come back to that. No, this is good, this is good. My, I would put other people's needs ahead of mine in order for them to feel okay, and I'm going to be, you know, exhausted or upset or whatever it is. Right. And so I knew that that was a residual pattern of behavior that I had to address. So it's simply the worldview that I come from. Using the word war does not resonate. When Bruce Lipton said, your thoughts created your cancer, I could take that on and not feel triggered or fearful when he said it. I, I'd done enough work by that time to be able to take it on, um, even though that's pretty dramatic. I think it's it's not yeah. necessarily the full story, right? right. But it's the right. contributor. So words are really important. And, you know, as you know, in our place of business, it, we have words around that we really want people to think about the space that they're in and hold the energy for them with words that we have in our space and the words that we're using, um, because that is really important to us. And any word I believe, anything I'm speaking or thinking, you know, those two are not separate, is a, I'm beaming out that energy, that um, call to the universe. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, and, and you know what was really interesting before cancer, I was, I had more of a mindset of competitiveness rather than collaboration. Mm -hmm. I would compare myself to others. Social media certainly did not help with that and feel inadequate and need to do more. And that cycle was not helpful at all. And so I just had to really analyze that and um, be open about it, right? Because when you're in a competitive, comparing, um, frame of reference you don't want to share that you typically hide that that's certainly what I was doing and right. now I'm not hiding anything let's just bring it on so I'm not for war on cancer I am for loving my cancer and I've done training in radical remission um, training which is another amazing book by Dr Kelly and these people with stage four metastatic cancer that have not taken Western medicine route, but have loved themselves, 
you know, done everything. I mean, extreme self-care and taking radical measures in order to bring about remission. And it's baffling to the medical field, but they are not researching it. So, yeah. Right. There's, well, a, as, there's a lot. I mean, we could, we could talk all day. We could talk yeah. all day, really. Um, oh, so many things were coming to me and now I got <laughs> to think about what they were. Uh, so first of all, we are such mirrors for each other. Oh my goodness. Like as you're talking, I'm like, yes, that's me too. And that's me in the past, you know, yeah. of course, but, yeah. um, you know, I know from, I know a, quite a bit about your childhood and we don't need to go into that, but I know that you had trauma in childhood as most, if anybody has been listening for a while, you know that I have. And one thing I talk a lot about in here is how our, how the issues get stuck in our tissues. Like, and I'm, I'm reading uh, Joe Dispenza's book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And so it's a lot of kind of what we're talking about here. And he would say your thoughts created, I think he would probably say your thoughts created your cancer, but I'm glad that you said, you know, it's not just that, like there's other mm. things too, because mm. people, I think if they hear that statement and they're not ready for it, if you just heard that and you're not ready for it, you then it can work against you. Like all these things can, you can then start to beat yourself up and it's like, well, I can't control my thoughts. And, you know, it can kind of spin out and you can spiral out with it. So it's like, it's maybe not just your thoughts, but I think we can all agree that our thoughts can make us sick or well, you know, we can all find examples of where we thought something negative and it turned out happening and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but back to the trauma thing, it's like, you know, in that book, he talks about how, you know, when we have stress, from trauma that didn't get processed when we were stuck in that fight or flight response, it now turns your genes on. So it's like, you might never have had the cancer had you not had, it may have been resting in your genes as a possibility, but the stress of the trauma you experienced as a child and then never learned how to deal with for whatever reason, same with me, like I thought I was dealing with it, but it was still the issues were in my tissues, which led to chronic fatigue. So then our environment turns those genes on and that then can lead. So it's just like, it, it's like a combination of so many things, right? Absolutely. That can and lead you know on. what is interesting, Erin, is that we can learn so effectively to normalize the trauma or minimize right. it. It's such right. a great protective mechanism. I mean, that is in some respects, what gets us through, right? 100%. And of course, it is our unique constitution that determines how we're impacted by the trauma. And so if you're a particular sensitive or empath, then you're going to feel that trauma differently. And others might not even label it as trauma. Right. But interestingly, one of the things that when I first shifted to the metabolic approach to cancer, they have you do the ACE score, mm -hmm. adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. And they take that into consideration. That is going to be a factor in the, the whole, the big picture. Right. That is so uh, amazing. And why it's isn't all medical professions doing that? You know, yeah, it's it's so one of the things that I have a lot of people reach out to me about their cancer journey. And I, I really my my job, if anybody reaches out to me is to give them hope, because now that I see it, it was really interesting when I did my treatment for my cancer. And I got to really reflect back on the experiences that I had with children going through cancer treatment how many years ago 25 years ago and not a lot had changed and I mm -hmm. thought well of course because big pharma um funds their own research for their own drugs well so yeah. how much is going to check really change they do not fund I mean it's pretty radical that there is there's a mistletoe which is an amazing 
um, plant-like substitute for chemo injections, um, a, a research study that's going on with that. It's so unusual for any research to be done on anything outside of the drug standard treatment. And so when I meet with people, I'm like, okay, here's the pie and here's the sliver of the pie that Western medicine is. And, and for some people, it's brilliant. It, if you've got a little tumor and you can have surgery to remove that and it's, it's contained and there's, and there's nothing else, that's brilliant. But if you've got, and, and if you've got something more aggressive, it can be brilliant, but a combination of that with other modalities is really important to get at the grassroots because Western medicine, and I was in Western medicine as a nurse for yeah. 20 plus years, it, it has its limitations. So I'm not saying Western medicine isn't the right thing, but it's, it's not everything, but we are led to believe in our society and in our culture that it is everything in Chinese medicine if you get cancer they would say oh your energy's out of balance or there's a blockage so there isn't this fear associated with it in the way that there is in this country oh, yeah you're touching on so many good things <laughs> oh my gosh oh my goodness um I guess my next question is you know I love, I think it's such a radical concept for people, but I loved that you said you loved the cancer. Cause like, I think cancer and I think scary, oh my God, you know, fear, it provokes fear in you. Like just think of a doctor being like, I'm sorry, but X, Y, Z is happening. I can't even imagine what that feels like. Um, but it provokes fear in me just thinking about it. And yeah. I'm sure it, as you said, it did you at first as well. But um, what do you think was like, like, could you paint a picture of like going from the fear to the love? Like, was there a certain step you took to get there? Was it just daily, like thinking about loving those cancer cells? Like what was, what was that transition? Where did it you was... feel it shift? Yeah, um, a lot of reading. So I was really careful about, I was not gonna do any research myself on the cancer because I knew I, when I was first diagnosed, I put in triple negative breast cancer and Google shoots out, you know, really uh, scary stories and statistics. So I was like, not doing that. But when I, so I then thought I'm going to have people who I knew had particular skills to do certain things for me. So I had one friend that would research stuff online for me so that I didn't have to do it. And um, smart, Julia. I don't know how I came, but that, you know what? That was another lesson, Erin. Like I would not, I, when you're somebody that gives a lot to others, it's, it can get very imbalanced in terms of then receiving. Right. Like that was something that I had to another gift from this pilgrimage. Like I need to reach out to people for help. I hadn't done that before. I do it with my husband or with a select few. But I would have to reach out to others for support and openly accept it. And so that was a big piece. So that's when I had others start to do things for me and other people would make people would say, is there anything we can do? And I'd say, could you make some lunch for us when we go and do chemo? I would never have done that before. I'd be like, oh, that's so kind of you. But, but I, no, I'm okay. I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. And I'll kill I'm myself. Good. Yeah, right. Wow, so, Julia, that's powerful. Yeah. Created space for that. And then I was like, I need to use my resources on filling myself up with what's working out there. So I got to hear about radical remission pretty quickly, that book on audio, I, I listened to it on audio, it was great. So I would just lay in my meditation room in a restorative yoga pose and just read it and it would just drip in. And that was a big pattern of people really loving themselves. 
Or the alternative was for some people, they were like, not on my watch. You're not getting me cancer. And they were like, I'm, I'm taking control. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what works for you? Loving my cancer worked for me. But it, what happened, that moment that you're asking about, and this is what I think is a really important piece, is that you have to create quiet space to hear the whisperings. Yeah. And I was in meditation and the tears just started flowing when it was like this realization, I have to love this cancer because otherwise I am rejecting myself and that could lead to more issues for me down the down the road and so that was that was that moment I can remember that moment lying there being I actually was lying down in meditation and the tears were just streaming down my face um, as I got that recognition and then when I was saying to my cancer cells, gosh, I love you. I love you so much. And you don't have to do this to get my attention. I've got this now. Thank you. And that was that, that just continued on. Now, that being said, the lifetimes of fear that I came into this lifetime with and grew up with were still in my tissues. Mm. The issues are in the tissues. The body keeps the score. Yeah. And so then I did a deep dive retreat um, using plant-based medicine to release the fear. And it was liberating. And I have never looked back. But I, yeah, that was, that was the moment, the turning point for me with the loving my cancer rather than fearing it. And so that was a message you received, right? Am I hearing that correctly? That you got this message, you have to love this. Yeah. And it, and you know, you know, when something is truth, because it moves you like, you know, when you said, Oh, I got that, I can feel that in my heart, Mm. or the tears just spontaneously erupt. I knew that this was the truth for me. That's right. And so now respond to that truth. Mm. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful journey Julia it really yeah and you know somebody it's not straightforward you know January was really a month for me of this year of I was here's here's a really quick story when I was yeah I know we love this don't we (laughs) when I was a child you know dealing with a toxic environment in the home Mm. I would wet myself during the day to avoid going inside the home. I didn't realize that that's what it was at the time. Survival, right? It's just survival. Yeah. And that was my truth, you know, for me growing up in that environment. Yeah. And so just towards the end of last year I was having this issue in my inner thigh and then we went around to the glute and I was like gosh this is not going away blah 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 and I was and in fact it was right before we did the cacao ceremony with you Erin which was so beautiful that I was teaching yoga and I was in a twist and I could feel that pain and in an instant I knew that this was from crossing my legs as a child to keep from peeing myself but in fact I would wet myself right but Mm -hmm. to keep from going inside and so I once I got it and I'm teaching a yoga class right so I can't say okay everybody let's just hold it here I've got to work on something but so I get and I'm like whoa I've got to deal with this this is a biggie and so I uh, fortunately my husband is a an amazing therapist and so I get home and I'm like babe we got to do a session on me tonight <laughs> and so in that session I got how pissed off I was and those were the words that I used pissed off yeah right and then in January so I did a lot of release in that session with Scott that he facilitated for me but then in January 
what I've come to learn, Erin, as well, is that these really deep-seated emotions that we're dealing with that's come from, that we brought either into this lifetime or come from early childhood, it's, it's not enough to just recognize it, do a session, and then we're good to go. Although we like to think that's how like, it works, right? I'm, I'm, yeah, of course, right? Of so course. I, this, this uh, feeling pissed off was with me for a lot of January. And I just had to sit in it. And it came to the surface, came to the surface and then hold it, hold space for it. Don't try and just bypass it or think like a check, check. I did a session, check. We're done. Let's move on. So I was just sitting Mm. with this and the practitioner that I work with, she's out of Cleveland, Ohio. She's amazing. And she's a naturopath. Um, So she studied trained in the metabolic approach, but she does so much in terms of the emotional uh, regulation during the journey. So I was telling her about this and she was brilliant. She was like, she, you know, having mirrors for yourself, like you and I are that for each other, I believe, Erin. Yeah. And she was like, Julia, of course you're pissed off. You're pissed off about having cancer. And it was really good to just here's this cycle right that we Mm. go through I love my cancer and now I'm pissed off about it again and I and I love it and it's a great journey and now I'm pissed off and so in January I was really pissed off about why is my life not uncomplicated (laughs) which is what I felt it was before cancer but of course it wasn't but like I wanted things to I didn't want to have that burden of having this hanging over me I didn't I felt like I'd lost freedom but I sat in it and worked through it to get to get out of it and now I don't feel pissed off about it I'm back into that place of okay this is the gift these are the messages that I'm still getting amazing messages from this pilgrimage that is having me feel significantly freer and liberated and more expansive and, and I know this is the year that I have to share that, you know, to really put it all out there. So it was very interesting, Erin, the timing of your invitation to talk, because I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's such an important thing is that what you touched on there is that it doesn't, we don't just get to this place and then it's all you know, sunny from there. And that's just day-to-day life too. It ebbs and it flows. Like one day you're happy, the next day you're sad. Like it, you know, and it's when we attach to like, oh, I just love my cancer now. That's the way it is. You know, you would have blocked that pissed offness and it would have creeped in in different ways, right? As resistance, as snapping at Scott maybe or whatever, right? Absolutely. So because you let yourself be okay that like, oh, now I'm in a phase of being mad about this again. Okay, I'm just going to hold this, you yeah. know, without judgment. Um, I think that's just important as a just life message for all of us, right? Just, you got to do that. It's it's all okay. Like It's, it's there's no- all okay. And you know, one of the things we actually teach in our yoga teacher training, it's yoga teacher training and personal transformation because it's a powerful transformative process but you know we're in a society and often surrounded by people where if we say something they try and hold us to it Mm. so if I say I I really love my cancer but then the next week I'm pissed off about it if we're in a state what happened there you said right right but I'm a different person than I was a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or a day ago yeah free yourself up and teach others in that process that we are dynamic, uh, amazing, energetic beings, and we flow with the emotions. That's right. I feel like there's a song there somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like there's a book in there somewhere, but just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I I see a book on the horizon, Julia. Oh, you know, I, it's really interesting because at one stage in my life, I was very attached to writing a book and, and attached in like this way, holding tight, right? Mm-hmm. Because I thought it would 
should happen and I was trying to make it happen and then I just got clear like you know if that's meant to happen it's going to be effortless it will drop in and so if it's meant to drop in it will and yeah whatever (laughs) (laughs) story of my life as I (laughs) I think I've been the attached one to writing a book but it's there it's just yeah yeah and you have really flowed with that Erin you have really flowed with that process Julia has been a real guiding light for me when it comes to my book because I've gone to her so many different times like I'm trying to write it or I had this idea and she's just always so supportive Mm, thank you yeah Well, I, I get, is there anything else you want to say? I mean, I have one last question for you about what you would recommend someone going through this kind of journey, but is there any last things before that? Anything that feels like it wanted to be said, but wasn't before we wrap that up? I will add that I, I think the most potent gift that I got on this pilgrimage was uh, the Holy Spirit came to me. Mm. And, you know, really from a young age, from childhood, I had wanted to feel the presence of God in me, through me, as me. And it's that got stronger into my adulthood. And I knew on a mental level that that is the case but I never felt it. And Mm. this was another gift from this process. I had healing prayer with Dr. Naimi out of Cleveland, Ohio. There's something going on in Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) And and I had, the Holy Spirit came to me and I felt the Holy Spirit in me. And it it was literally like a child who was lost coming home. And I was giddy with joy and love and tears of joy. And that has never left me. And so that is the biggest gift of this pilgrimage because I would have done anything to Mm. feel that. And so I feel very blessed about that. That's that's for me. And I understand that's not for everybody, but leaning into or finding what is that higher power that is guiding you? Because I knew that, the Holy Spirit was guiding this entire process. And if that meant this was the timing for the end of my life, then so be it. Mm. But I, I also felt like it actually isn't this time. I, I kind of knew that. But I yeah. just surrendering it to the Holy Spirit because I had, once I found the Holy Spirit in me, through me, as me, then there was, I could let go. I didn't have to, I you know, however this was going to unfold was however it was going to unfold. And that was such a gift. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate surrender. Just like I, I talk about surrender in here, like, you know, on your day-to-day life, but the ultimate surrender is okay. If it's my time, so be it. Yeah. I have to, Instead of like, no, I'm not ready. This can't be happening because all of that energy is going to create more resistance, more fear, more of what we don't want that isn't going to help the healing journey. It's going to go against the healing journey. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So Julia, this is, yeah, man. I mean, we've talked about things, but it's, you know, we haven't, I guess, gone into the depth that we've gotten to go into today. It's just really really powerful, really inspirational to hear your story. I know it's going to touch so many people. Thank you, Erin. appreciate that. You know, when you and I are together, we go on all sorts of detours, right? Lots of detours. <laughs> get very excited. We are on a journey, that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. Goodness. Uh, okay, I had, there was something else that came. Okay, two things. First... Let me just write this one down. Okay. First is somebody that's on a journey of unraveling, whether it's a physical disease, an emotional thing or whatever, what's your advice for them, for that person? I mean, you've given so many things already, but just for somebody who's really struggling right now, what would you, what would you advise? 
Yeah, you know, when I was going through my process, I think I did a an energy work session at least every other week mm. to keep myself clear and to keep myself to have somebody that I could lean into that wasn't my husband who was already dealing with so much, right? Yeah. Or not the same friend because Erin you know, it would have been very easy for me to lean into you with all of your gifts, but you are my dear friend and soul sister. So this was somebody, a professional relationship that I could go to, that there was an exchange of energy. I was paying her to do this for me that kept me on the path and guided me through. And I think that we all need that. We all need that. And so many therapists, so, so much now is more accessible to people, certainly since yeah. the pandemic. And I'm reading about online resources where people can be in small groups and pay a small amount of money um, to get really great quality group coaching or, or support and finding that person. And I also think many therapists will work with people where they're at financially, or it's another opportunity to reach out for, people do GoFundMe pages to get the, the resources that they need for something like that. So it's like, yeah. what, how can you get that support, That's right? right? That's right, that's a good point. Cause I think some people just shut down at the price. Right. You know, of certain things. And like you just said, like make it happen for yourself. Like there are ways, if you're determined enough, you know, you can create that. But I think what I'm hearing you say is having a support system outside of your close friends and family was huge, very big yeah. component for you. Yeah. Yeah. A guide, a spiritual guide and support and mentor and healer, right. Yeah. Um, that could take me along with them and show up and I could show up with whatever was showing yes. up for me in that moment. And, you know, I think it's one of the wonderful things about social media is that people can share their story online and, and ask for help, and it is given. Because I have donated to many a, a cause from the story, not knowing the person, but wanting mm. to support them. And I think yeah. so many people are out there wanting to support others we are yeah. one right and so yeah yeah but I think as we shared earlier when we have these beliefs wrapped around me doing everything for everyone and not receiving which I know a lot of my listeners do the thought of asking for that help or even putting a GoFundMe page together just would be the last thing y'all would ever would think to do. And what we're, what Julia is saying here and what I think is just brilliant is like, put it together, like start asking, you know, put it, your, put it out there that you need help. That was the number one turning point for me too, Julia was in 2021. You know, I was, I've always kind of been like even the therapist for my family, my stepdad and all these people. And like, you know, he called me and, and was sharing all of this stuff. And I was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And meanwhile, I'm exhausted. Yeah. But I'm trying to hold it together. And then he just says, how are you? And I just, I started crying. And I'm like, I'm not okay. And I'd never said that before. Because I was always fine. Right? We're always fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then that changed our relationship. And he was there for me in that moment. Um, so it's like when you present yourself as the one who's strong and can hold it all together and be that emotional support animal for everybody, that's what people think. It's not that they're doing it to try to use you. It's that they think you're strong and you can handle it and you got to stop. You got to ask. I think that's what this whole podcast ultimately is about is we got to stop. We got to ask for help when we need it and not be afraid and not think that that's makes us a bad person or weak or whatever. Um, yeah, when you show up to just um, add on to that, Erin, brilliantly yeah. said, when you show up as the one that is the support for others, you literally squeeze out any opportunity for others to support you. Yeah. Right. It's like you you 
flatten down their worthiness somehow to support you. And it's imbalanced and that's not healthy, right? right? Yeah. And it's a trauma pattern. It, we, developed it, it, yeah. we developed it to survive in some way. But and yeah, I, it's, it's a masculine trait too. As feminine women, that is us living in our, and I could go on and on and on about this too, but that's probably another thing, right? That like, it burns a woman out to be in her masculine yeah. all the time, taking oh, care. Oh yeah. And you know, like we're not, like we're just talking from experience and right. we're just starting wherever anybody's at, you've just got to start there. There's yes. no judgment, but it's like, here's how it unfolded for me and here's how that did or didn't work, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're not easy We're... things. They're not easy no. things. And so it's it not- It sounds easy. It's yeah, right. on the surface, it sounds so easy. Just ask for help. What's the big deal? Right. But it literally goes against your identity of what you've created out of survival mechanisms to be who you are, the strong one or whatever yeah. the identification is. And so it's, it's literally we rewiring your whole system to do this. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point. Like start where you are and take baby steps. And maybe it's just asking somebody to hold the door open for you. If you're carrying a box in, you know, um, start small. It doesn't have to be, you know, make me lunch while I run over here, right? That might feel like a scary thing to ask for. So just yes. something, something. Yeah. Can. Beautiful. Julia, what's next for you? To sum this up, um, what's next? I have no idea. I just, <laughs> I, I'm trying to just stay really open because a part of my neuronal pattern, and it was a great coping strategy as a young child, was to plan ahead, mm -hmm. have things in place, um, keep control of the journey, and. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a fascinating year for me in terms of at the beginning of the year. This is the first time I've done this where I heard about the one word for the year. Right. Yeah. And other people would say, oh, my word this year. And I'm like, OK, I've never heard a word last year. <laughs> right. But I, I was listening to a podcast where one of the authors of that book, One Word, um, was talking and I thought, "Ooh." So I recorded the meditation to take myself through it. And I go into this meditation, this is hilarious, with, I think I know what my words are. <laughs> I mean, I've got one or two, and I'll just see what's, which one spirit chooses. And uh, pretty quickly in the meditation, I get share. You have to share. And I'm like, I wasn't one of my two words, though. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> right. And I was like, share? I don't, I mean, I was literally cocooned for three years, Erin, mm. going on that pilgrimage and not putting myself out there. Um, and so it was really clear. And, you know, when you get the message, you have to, it's, it's wise to respond, right? Yes, it is. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to share. And if I get invitations, I will, I will respond to the invitation. And I've been getting so many invitations and here's a really great one. So thank you. You had no idea what my no, work we have not was. talked in the new year. Right. So anyway, that's, I'm just staying open to that. And, um, and also I guess my big work right now is not sacrificing myself for the benefit of others. And that's ongoing for me. And I, I'm still in that journey. And so I'm just kind of finding my way with that still. <laughs> Working for programming yourself. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, I got the message from Spirit. Ask Julia to be on the podcast. It just looks like I was like, how? Why have I not asked her yet? That's so <laughs> weird too. Because I was like, why haven't? Because you weren't ready. That's Absolutely. It's the second I. I think I was just on Facebook and I saw your picture or something. And I was like, of course, Julia. And then I was like, how have I not in a, a year asked her to be on this podcast? Thank you. It's too funny. Synchronicity. Yeah. 
Yeah, we should not get in the way of the universe, right? We really shouldn't. It's not second guess. Always communicating with us if we just get, like you said, get quiet enough to listen Mm -hmm. to the messages. Yeah. Julia, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here. I know that so many people are going to benefit from this. We will leave Julia's information below this uh, podcast and or video. And uh, if you want to reach out to her. And yeah, I'm just, I don't know what else to say. I'm just so happy to be with you and in your presence today. This was so much fun. I love you so much, Erin. Thank you for everything you do and Mm. for bringing the light to so many. I know that that is your mission and so grateful for that because I have experienced that. I've benefited from that so Mm. many times. So great work, Erin. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. I love you so much too. Love you. Thanks all for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. If you would like to connect with me more, you can find my website, my services, and my social media links all in the description of this episode. Remember, you are a beautiful and divine and powerful being, and it's time to own it.